find your seats. So good to be here this morning. Oh, man, I'm really shutting it down today. Five more minutes, please. I just want to fellowship a little bit longer. Shane, you can sit down. Thank you very much. Braden, yep, you too. Thank you. Perfect. Thank you so much. Man, those guys. They're good listeners back there. Um, well, yeah, so glad to have you guys this morning. I know Pastor Rick already said it. It's a little chilly out there, but we are the few, the proud, and the ones who have jackets, apparently. So, so glad you guys are here this morning to worship with us. Um, I'm Pastor Ben. I tell jokes. Um, so I just want to share with you some of the announcements, some of the things that are going on here at Whiteford Wesleyan Church that you can be a part of. Um, we'd love for you to share these things with your friends. Also, you can check us out on our website, uh, which I think is just whitefordwesleyanchurch.com or whitefordwesleyan.com. You'll figure it out. Just Google it uh, or our Facebook page. We keep those updated pretty well um, of things that are changing or things that are coming up as well. One way that you can stay connected with us is the connection cards that are in your pews. Um, not just for new people. If you've been here a long time, uh, you can update your information there. Or uh, on the back, you can share uh, any prayer requests, praises, anything like that. This is just one way. Uh, maybe you're not somebody who likes to talk face-to-face, um, but you can write something down and you want to share a story or a prayer request or a praise or anything like that. Uh, us as a staff, will check those out. We'd love to hear from you, um, stay connected to you in that way. Uh, celebrate with you or mourn with you or pray with you, anything like that. So uh, please take advantage of that if you have an opportunity. Uh, if you fill it out before the offering plates come by, you can put it in there. Or there is a box, a box on the Welcome Center that you can put it in there uh, anytime. So um, mostly just things that are in the uh, bulletin. So I'm just going to run through those. You guys see that little note from Pastor Rick, myself, uh, Benita, and Rachel. Just thank you so much for your outpouring of love during the holiday season. Uh, we are very excited about uh, what this year has to bring. Um, and we'll obviously, um, you have that little note there, but thank you so much. Um, big thing on Saturday, we were supposed to have our soup and such. Hopefully none of you showed up with your soups. I apologize if you did. Uh, we tried to get the word out to everybody, but we're going to move that. We're going to try again this Saturday. Um, so if you still have all your soup uh, recipe ready. Um, you had a little bit more time to work on it. Um, but uh, this Saturday, soup and such, um, probably 6, was it 6.30? 6.30, thank you. Um, 6.30 here at the church. Uh, it's probably still all set up, so we're just going to bump it back, hoping for a little bit better weather uh, so that we can all make it there safely and enjoy our fellowship together and also eating way too much soup. So uh, that's this Saturday, so just kind of un unmark your calendar and then just move it and remark it uh, on this Saturday coming up. Um <coughs> Wednesday night's coming up. Pastor Rick uh, is kind of starting his series for this year about questions. Um, there may be opportunities for you to, to ask, give him some questions as well for the future. Uh, but the question that he's starting with is, where did the devil come from? I think they talked about angels this past week. Lots of cool stuff, and that's going to be in here. Uh, during that time, we have the teens meeting in the youth room. We have 5 to 5th children meeting in the Family Life Center. Uh, pretty much something for everybody uh, in your family. We'd love to have you be a part of that at 6.30 on Wednesday nights. Um, also, keep a look out on our website and stuff if weather uh, permits those kind of things, but uh, just pay attention to that. We'll try to get those words out. But most of the time, Wednesdays at 6.30 uh, here at the church. Uh, Oaks of Righteousness is coming up. If you'd like to serve, uh, please see Sue. Sue's in the back. Hello, Sue. There she is. See, there's not a lot of people in the way, so you can see her. There she is in the back. She doesn't even have to stand up, but she could, but she's not going to. That's fine. Um, Mackenzie's Mission, the big box is not out there just for show. If you have some gently used or new uh, coats, hats, gloves, those kind of things, throw them in that box. We'd like to fill that up. Uh, we're going to take that to the Oaks of Righteousness as well. Um, man, lots of good stuff. Free calendars, if you need, if you're like still using the 2019 calendar, it might be a little bit off, uh, but we got some 20, 20 calendars on the Welcome Center that you can have. You can take a couple extras, give them to your friends, that kind of stuff. 
I don't see much else going on. I think that's it. I'm going to pass it over to Mark. He's going to continue to lead us in worship. Thank you. You want the I love Mark's stories, but um, I'm going to have to tell him about stealing my sermons, too. <laughs> I can't believe how many times, Mark, when you come up here and, and share that verse for life, how the Lord directs you to say the very same things that I'm going to be sharing today. Either you're looking at my notes or the Holy Spirit's uh, working, one of the two. Or we collaborated before, but we didn't. But uh, thank you. He always uh, does such a good job and appreciate him. Don't we appreciate Mark? Amen. Amen. That was, a, that was a, not a very good appreciation clap. We can do better than that. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> That's right. That's much better. I hate those kind of in-between claps. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> we kind of appreciate you. No, we really do. So, Well, we looked last week at Psalm 100 where God invites us into his presence. And we want to take a look at just one verse today, uh, verse 3. And we've already read it. Uh, but I'd like to read the whole psalm again, but we're going to concentrate on verse 3. And the psalm goes like this. Make a joyful noise in the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that ye that the Lord, he is God, and he's the one that's made us, and not ourselves. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him, and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, his truth endures to all generations. There was a Greek philosopher named Claudius, uh, and the last word starts with a P, but we just say Ptolemy. No P involved there. He was a mathematician and an astrologer who was born about 70 years after Jesus passed away. And in studying the stars, Ptolemy's conclusion led him to believe that the earth was the center of the universe and all the known planets and even the sun revolved around us. And this philosophy was called geocentrism. Geo meaning earth and centrism meaning center. And so if you were in fifth grade and were making a model of all the planets, the sun would not have been in the center. The earth would have been and everything else revolved around the earth. About 1400 years later, uh, another astrologer named Nicholas Copernicus began to ask some interesting questions. He said, if that's so, then why do we have seasons? And why do we see some stars during the day and some, lots of stars at night? And uh, he began to ask the question, are we sure that the earth is flat? And he made one of the most startling statements of all time. And it sent shockwaves through the, all the world. And you might even chuckle now as you hear this. But this was the statement that he made. He said... The earth is not the center of the universe. The sun is. And at first when he said that, people laughed at him. He was ridiculed. He was ostracized when he said that the earth was not. They said, what do you mean the earth is not the center of the universe? You've got to be kidding me. What a stupid remark, they said. The earth is the center of the universe. And because for over a, a thousand years, Ptolemy's decisions and his conclusions about where the universe ought, no one questioned it at all. The earth was the center of the universe. And they kind of poo-pooed him away, and along came another philosopher, an astrologer. You might recognize this name. His name was Galileo. And Galileo, he proclaimed the same thing. And the authorities got so mad at him that the Pope kicked him out of the church for saying such things. 
and the king locked him up. They found him guilty of heresy and sentenced him to life in prison, all for saying that the sun was the center of our universe and not the earth. Now, if you're a flat earther this morning or a geocentrist person, you may want to plug your ears because I just want to tell you the earth is not flat and we revolve around the sun. And what Copernicus did for astrology, God reminds us time and time again about our lives. Let me put it as gently as I can, and Mark's already said it, but the world does not revolve around you. You knew that, right? <laughs> the world does not revolve around me. We're not the center of the universe. We're not the spotlight of heaven. We're not the most important, the greatest, the one and only. We're not the Superman of this planet. As my mother used to say, and I've heard her say this many times, Rick, get over yourself. <laughs> There's an incredible verse found in Ephesians chapter 1. It's verse 22, and it's from the message, and it says the following. At the center of all this, Christ rules. What Paul was praying, proclaiming long before Ptolemy ever was born was just like the earth follows around the sun, we must align ourselves with Christ the sun. Everything revolves around him. We take orders from him. He's the one in charge. Do you remember how the Lord prayer closes? For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. I like the message. The message says this, you're the one in charge. You can do anything you want. You are a blazing glory. You, you, you. In other words, it's all about him. But there's something about me. There's something inside of me that wants it to be about me. I want the spotlight. I want to be blessed. I want to be recognized. Me, me. I've heard it said before, there are some people that there are some people who want to be the bride at every wedding and the corpse at every funeral. <laughs> they want it to be about them, don't they? It seems to be the cry of the world today. Why can't I be at the center? Why can't I make my own rules? Why can't I live my own life? But it also seems to be the weight of many believers as well. What I discovered about myself over the past several years is that just as much as I desire for Christ to be at the center of my life, there's a little thing called self that keeps getting in the way. Have you ever noticed this? There is this ungodly bent still that I'm working out that keeps wanting me to be in the center. And even as believers, we're prone to sing like Sinatra, I'll do it my way. And to rub it in even more, did you read what David said about us? He called us sheep. Now, I don't know. I don't like that. I've been around sheep, and I've read a lot about sheep. And I mean, they're not smart animals. Not like you'd ever have them in your house as a pet. I've never seen an, a sheep animal trainer. Never see a sheep animal trainer go, hey, do some tricks, roll over. You never see that. They're, they're not smart animals. And they're skittish animals. They're afraid of everything. You get near them, they either huddle together or they run away. And they're not very clean animals. They're rather dirty uh, they don't clean themselves like dogs and cats or, or birds. I even saw a YouTube video of a dog, I mean, of a bear in a, in a pool cleaning itself. They're not like those other animals. They're very dirty. I mean, couldn't he think of something else? I mean, when you think about what are the mascots of famous teams, think about this. There are the Chicago 
Bulls, and there are the Seattle Seahawks, and the Los Angeles Rams, but you will never find a team called the Lambs. I've never heard one professional team called the Sheep. <laughs> the Detroit Sheep doesn't even go together, does it? The Toledo Lambs. Who wants to be known as a lamb? Who wants to be known as a sheep? That just doesn't sound good at all. I mean, why can't we be like the eagles? Now there, why can't David call us something better? Like an eagle, that's a majestic creature. We're the eagles in the sky. And if it's not an animal, what about a warrior? There, I want to be called a warrior. Now that would be much better, a warrior. Someone, the images of riding into a city victorious and people are cheering our arrival. Now that would be better. Or how about ambassador? Now there's a good word, ambassador. I'd be the spokesman for God. I'd be like E.F. Hutton. When I talk, people would listen. But David uses the word sheep. We are the sheep. And rightfully so. All those things, I am all those things that that sheep is. If we're honest this morning, and I hope that you are, we'll just say, you know what, Pastor, I... I'm not smart enough, and I'm not clean enough, and I am defenseless. I am skittish. I am a sheep. I am. Anybody else there with me today? I am. I am a sheep. And one of the greatest revelations that we can come to is simply this, that we are dependent upon him. David said the sheep needs the shepherd, and we need Jesus. Can you say that this morning? I need him. Say it with me. I need him. The Ptolemic, Ptolemic philosophy of life is I'm at the center of my life. I don't need anybody. But it's time maybe for a Copernicus shift in our lives and seeing that we need him. And that's what the psalmist says here. Notice what he's in verse 3. All focused in verse 3. He says we need to acknowledge who he is. The Ptolemic shift to uh, the Ptolemic philosophies, I don't need anybody. But here comes Psalmist says, Oh, yes, we do. We need him. We need him to be our shepherd. He says, We need to recognize who he is. Who is he? He says, Know that the Lord is God. Know him. What are we to know? Let me just remind you. We're to remind it of our, the Lord God who created the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that dwells in. He's the one who created Saturn and Jupiter and the sun and placed them into order. He's the one who created light and scattered the darkness and made the swiftest cheetah and the slowest turtle. He's the one that made the food chain, the ecosystem we enjoy, the diamonds and the rubies in the ground. He created everything. Several years ago, Food Town had a, a Chinese place there. I love that place. You get my Chinese food there. It was a wonderful place. But up in the corner, they had a Buddha. And um, always interesting, walking in there to get food, they would place their gifts to Buddha. And uh, oftentimes, they'd see food and stuff up there, and, and it, would become, it would become rotten because the Buddha can't eat. It, just, it would just sit up there, and I often wondered, why in the world do they do that? This porcelain doll, this porcelain idol that they have, it can't do anything for them. And Buddhists have a God that needs them. They offer food to them. That Buddha could do nothing. That Buddha is a creation for them. They're small. They have no power. They have nothing. But think about all the power that God has this morning for you. And when we start thinking about that, 
we realize how insignificant we are in light of him. We are nothing much at all. It's not, it's not he who needs us. It is we who need him. And that's the truth. We tend to believe that God exists to make a big deal out of us. And the opposite is true. We exist to make a big deal out of him. Let me just prove this to you. Acts chapter 17, verse 24 and 25. Here's these words. God that made the world and all things therein, that's the supremacy of the Lord, seeing that the Lord is heaven and earth, he dwells not in temples made with hands, neither is he worshiped with men's hands, as though he needed anything. God does not need anything. Does he need us? Not really. He is totally sufficient in himself. God doesn't rely upon you to make him better, and you can't make him worse. That's good to know. I can't make him any worse. Now, don't get depressed and don't get discouraged on me. And I hope I haven't popped some of your bubbles and thinking that God really needs me. While God needs nothing to fulfill him in himself, the rest of that verse says this, seeing that he gives to all life and breath and all things. Out of his great love for us, he gives us breath and life. And let's not fall into the trap of the one man that I talked about who thought he was doing a favor to God by coming to church or by reading his Bible. And I'm sure God appreciates that, but that's the wrong view. We ought to see it this way. When we read the Word and when we come to church, we're doing ourselves a favor. We are admitting that we're here. I need God. I need Him. That's why I read God's Word. That's why I'm here this morning. I need Him. Don't you need Him this morning? We acknowledge who He is. He is the one who's at the center. He is the one who's creator. He is the one who's made us. And then we understand, secondly, who we are. Who are we? The psalmist said, it is He who made us. Think about that for a moment. Who created you? Who made you? Are you just a blob, an existence? Uh, who made you? I love the story about a little boy who was trying to figure out who made him, where he came from. And he went to his uh, mom and he says, Mom, just where did I come from? And his mom said, well, way back when Adam and Eve made babies. And those babies grew up and had adults, or became adults, and they had babies. And those babies grew up and became adults, and they had babies, and so on and so forth. And that's where we came from. And so the boy wandered in the other room. He's scratching his head, and he said, Dad, where do you think we came from? And his dad said this morning, he said the following, Well, we were all monkeys, and we evolved and became like we are now. And that little boy was all really confused now, and he wandered back in the other room where his mother was, had an inquisitive look on his face, and his mother said, So what's wrong? And the boy says, well, you just told me we came from Adam and Eve. And Dad just told me I came from a monkey. And his mom says, now don't get confused. I was telling you about my side of the family, and he was telling you about his side of the family. <laughs> Understand who made us. Where'd we come from? The psalmist couldn't have made it any clearer in Psalm 136. I formed you while you were still in your mother's womb. I put you together. I created you. Before you were even a thought, 
or before you ever had a thought, I was at work knitting all your parts together. And I'm sorry if, I, if you came believing that somewhere in your ancestry is a monkey. But God created you. He formed you. He made us. We didn't evolve. He did us. No wonder the psalmist could declare the following, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And when we start thinking about that then, the God who created us now says, wait a minute, because I created you, you're not your own. I gave you life. You should return it to me. We're really not our own. Jeremiah 10.23 says, I know, O Lord, that a man's life is not his own. It's not for man to direct his own steps. And yet we think it is, don't we? How many times we believe, this is about me. This is my body. This is my life. I can do with it what I want. But Paul even reminds us in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 6.19, you have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God with your body. And he tells us in that verse that you are not your own. You're not your own. We are his people. We are his sheep. We belong to his family. Think about who you are this morning. We are his. And lastly, simply this, embrace your role then. Then what is my purpose and role? Why were we created? If I'm not the center of it all, if life doesn't revolve around me, then why am I here? The clue is found in these words. We are the sheep of his pasture. The sheep exists for the benefit of the shepherd. And we are the sheep there for his honor and glory. Some time ago, I had a discussion with somebody about the moon. And uh, was thinking back in years gone by, the people used to think that the moon was like the sun and that the moon radiated light and gave off light in every direction. But we've come to know that that's not true, that the, the, the moon doesn't give off any light of its own. In fact, all the moon does is reflect the sun. And it doesn't complain about being in that role. Think about that. I mean, if it wasn't for... Uh, the sun, who would ever get inspiration from the moon? Hardly a romantic moment looking at a sunless moon. Where's the moon? I feel so romantic. No, it's the moon that oftentimes gives us those romantic moments. There's something inspirational about, about when you stand out on a clear night and see a full moon beaming brightly. It wasn't that long ago there was a harvest moon. Did you see the harvest moon? Incredible, beautiful pictures as the moon passes closest to the earth. And some of those pictures were just incredible. And the moon doesn't complain about being made of cheese or being the instrument that the cow wants to jump over. It doesn't make waves about the place where people want to go. You know what the moon does? All it does is do what? Reflect. I think that's our role. My role in this life is to be a reflector of his light. Just reflect his light. Where do we find our greatest joy? When Christ is the sun and the center of our life and his light bounces into our life and comes right through. Life makes the greatest sense when we accept our place and when we put God at the rightfully place that he ought to be right in the center of our life. Ptolemic thinking says, this is mine, I'll keep it. But a God-centered thinking says, this is his and I'll share it. 
Ptolemaic thinking says, it's my life, I'll do with it, whatever I want. And God-centered thinking says, wait, I'm his creation, I'll do what he wants. Ptolemaic thinking says, this is my life, it's mine, I'll enjoy it any way I want to enjoy it. And God-centered thinking says, this life is his, and I must respect it. I don't know if you've ever flown on a plane before, but there's something interesting to me about flying on a plane. When you're on a plane, it's, uh, you know, with all those other passengers, you become aware of something very interesting, that you add nothing to the flight plan. Um, All the attention is not on you. Now, the pilot is the one flying the plane, and I, I could probably call the stewardess to me and say, please tell the pilot I think the plane ought to do this or that for my convenience. And she would probably smile and say to me, buckle your seatbelt. There's not much I can do if I don't like the course set of the plane. It's not like I can barge into the cockpit and demand, you need to take a different route. I'm the passenger, and that's the pilot. But since the Garden of Eden, mankind has been snookered into believing that we are the pilots. We're in charge. And how often in my own life, and probably yours as well, that when we start thinking that, what do we do? We crash and burn, don't we? We need a shift back to where God is the center of our lives, of everything that we do, of who created us and what we're here to do. And when he's at the center and we realize I am his sheep, we become a reflection then of him. And maybe it's just a time for a realignment, a moment where we really say to him, you know what, Lord, it's not about me. It's all about you. The songwriter couldn't have said it any better, I think. I'm coming back to a heart of worship. Sorry, Lord, for the thing that I've made it, where it's all about you. Jesus. Father, help us realign ourselves with that in mind that you are the shepherd, we're the sheep. You're the center. We need the right focus to be mindful of who we are in our roles, to reflect you and to live for you. Lord, I'm praying because, boy, the enemy, the enemy bangs at his heart about this being the center. It's got to be about me, me, me. And realign our thoughts again to where we know, we know who you are. You're the one who reigns, who lives, who's victorious, who ought to be the center of our life. And when that happens, everything else falls into place. I pray that you will forgive us, Lord. As that song said, forgive us of what we've made it. Even in worship, even here, even in these times, we think about ourselves more than we think about you. And so I'm praying you'll remind us of this song over and over. It's all about you. We appreciate all that you do for us, your goodness and your love. And truly help us, Lord, to make you the center and focus of our life. We give you the praise.
In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing that chorus again. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. It's all about you. It's 